When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Giants again. They got Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks. Andrew Thomas, a no-practice participant today. So that's a little bit of a concern because he only got one more practice before the game on Monday. Remember, you thought he was trending in the right direction, said things along the lines of, well, if I was a skill position player and I needed the hamstring, probably I need another week or two. But the fact that I'm a lineman and really don't have to eat up much space, Chances are I could get back out there. But the fact that he didn't practice today, I thought was kind of telling. We'll see where that leaves him as far as availability goes for Monday. Saquon limited again at practice. We'll see. Remember, we had Jordan on the program last night. He thinks that it still might be another week before Barkley's able to get back in there because it doesn't get any easier for the Giants, right? I mean, we're talking about the Jets. Look at their schedule. After he got Seattle, you got to go to Buffalo. You got to go to Miami. Two very, very tough games on the road there. And this is a huge game for the Giants. It's a huge game. You want to talk about trying to compete for a playoff spot and get a wild card down the road. I mean, this is the type of game you got to win. This is this is a team that you are going to be in contention with for one of those spots. So this is a huge, huge game on Monday night, and they can ill afford another slow start. You know, that's the one of the points you got to drive home here. I, I mean, the Giants just don't show up before halftime in any of these games. Right? 63-6 to is what they've been outscored in the first two quarters of games this year. You got your home crowd, national TV audience, primetime under the lights. Come out and start fast. That would be nice for a change as far as this team is concerned here. And last night, you know, give credit to the Detroit Lions. Kicking off week four with a victory at Lambeau Field. Second year in a row that they've gone into Lambeau and beat the Packers and Got off to a bad start. Jared Goff got intercepted, you know, the first few plays of the game, and the Packers turned that into some quick points. But I'll tell you, maybe the Lions are legit, right? Maybe they are going to live up to the hype this year. That defense seems for real. They gave Jordan love, and that Packers offense fits all night. I mean, Packers had 21 yards of offense in the first half. That was like what the Jets did last Sunday against the Patriots. And the Packers have been, a, we talk about the Giants, Packers have been a slow start team this year too. Remember, they sleepwalked through the Saints game last week and they were down 17 nothing in the fourth quarter before they finally made a comeback. You know, but this is the Lions division to lose right now. The way the NFC North is playing itself out. David Montgomery had himself a huge game. That defense was all over Jordan Love. And I'll tell you, you know, maybe it's too early to sit there and play the what-if game. But you go back to last year's draft. Jaguars were sitting there with the first pick, and they decided to take Trayvon Walker, who, you know, may develop into a nice little player, but Aiden Hutchinson looks like a steal for the Lions one pick after. I mean, that dude is a game wrecker off the edge, and he's got himself a pretty good football team that he's now a part of as well to where he ain't the only player on that defense that you got to keep tabs on if you're the opposing offense. So the Lions are in good shape here. Remember, the, the Vikings and the Bears don't even have a win yet. And you went into Green Bay and already beat the Packers in their building. So a good leg up there for the Cats four weeks into the season. But the Jets got their hands full, of course, come Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs out at MetLife Stadium. 
And that is what we're talking about. Let us say hi to our pal Griffin in Connecticut. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Griff. How are you? Good. How are you, Dan? Griff, I'm outstanding. What's going on? Um, I have a point about the uh, Jets, and then I have two college football picks that I think. Wow, college football picks. All right. Yep. Um, the point with the Jets, um, I, I think they can keep it close. And, and to me, I look at that defense. Um, can they go out there and maybe force some pressure on Patrick Mahomes? Force Mahomes into maybe making a mistake or two. And then if he makes a mistake or two, you have an easy field for your offense. Because right now, it's, this offense is so hard to drive down the field. Well, if the defense can get some turnovers, maybe get a fumble on maybe one of the running backs or get like a pick on Mahomes or something, then you get a short field for the offense, and maybe that's easy enough to score a couple points. They're going to have to. Griffin, they're going to have to because they haven't forced a turnover in the last two weeks, okay? As far as sacking the quarterback, they've only gotten one sack. In, in the last two games. But the dangerous thing about playing a quarterback like Mahomes and any sort of quarterback that has his athleticism, you can't He, mo- he moves so well. Exactly. You can't over-pursue when it comes to the pass rush because he yep. only has to do is step up in the pocket, break free, and then all of a sudden he's got himself a big gainer with his legs. So or, then, or then he moves and he does one of those little behind-the-back throws. And exactly. And he's got such a yard game that he could complete a pass anywhere. Right. So, look, they got their hands full. They know that, and Mahomes has been yep. doing this the entire NFL for the last, I don't know how many years. Yeah. What about um, your college? Uh, what, what do you got for the college stuff? I like, um, I like Duke to take down Notre Dame tomorrow. Really? Yep. Wow. Like outright win, Duke beats Notre Dame. I do. I like that. And Duke, that Duke defense has been very good this year. They've yet to, I think, allow, uh, uh, they've allowed less points. Uh, I don't think they've allowed over 20 yet this year, that defense. So Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite in that game. Remember, college game day is going to be there tomorrow in Durham. uh, Under the lights, prime time. So you think the Duke Blue Devils are going to beat Notre Dame outright and keep the Irish reeling after last week's yep. tough loss to Ohio State? Yep. Yep. Wow. Look, if, I'll tell you, if that happens, I don't know, we might start to have to take up a petition or something to turn uh, Duke from a basketball school into a football school. What do you think? <laughs> and I also like um, my LSU Tigers to go into Ole Miss and take down the Ole Miss Rebels. I don't know what big game Lane Kiffin has ever wanted Ole Miss, and I don't think it's going to start this week against Jaden Daniels and company. Two and a half minutes is the line. I don't think that that's crazy. I, I, I could see LSU with that one. I'm a little sketchy about the Duke one, though, Griff. But thanks for the phone call, my friend. I appreciate it. Enjoy those games. Good luck to LSU. And we'll see how you do um, when we reconvene again next week, of course. Boy, Notre Dame, If they, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I kind of think the Irish are going to bounce back. I mean, especially as they had their heart ripped out last week at home, which was a really, really good college football game, by the way. Uh, let us say hi to Tommy in Long Island up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tom, how are you? Tommy, uh, Danny, how you doing, bud? Good, Tom. What's going on? All right. So l- let me get this out straight out. First of all, I'm watching the Jets 60 years. I watched uh, Namath win the Super Bowl 
diehard Jet fan. Zach Wilson's not a good quarterback. We know that. Okay, so that's a given. But all of the blame, and this is a real misdirection, is going on on this kid. It's not going on the defense that's allowing 10, 15 play drives. It's not going on the offensive line. It's not going on the coaching staff that is not really putting this kid. He wasn't drafted to be a pocket quarterback. You could have drafted Matt Jones in the same draft. He was drafted because of his athletic ability to throw the ball on the run and to make, to make plays out of nothing. They turned this kid into a pocket quarterback that he's so afraid to make. Did we lose Tom? We lost Tom. It's, it's not that they turned him into a pocket quarterback. I do think that you're seeing that reluctance, though, with the kid, and he's afraid to pull the trigger. Now, you could be – there's nothing wrong with being a pocket quarterback. Tom Brady was a pocket quarterback, right? Peyton Manning was a pocket quarterback. Dan Marino, some of the greats. You could sit back there and you could pick a defense apart, but you got to be willing to pull the trigger and to make the throws. And I think that maybe he's a little bit reluctant now because, look, there have been some missteps so far in the first two years of his career. We know that he has had a problem when it's come to turnovers. After all, last year, that was one of the reasons why he got seated on the bench because he was turning the ball over too frequently. And that's a no-no. And especially for a young quarterback, you don't want to see bad habits continue to persist. So I'm sure that it's been drilled into his mind by a variety of those that are around him. Can't make mistakes. Can't make mistakes. And then the way things transpired last week, if you go back and you look at the film, there were plays to be made. You had guys running wide open, but it's about believing in your reads, believing in your preparation, believing in what your eyes are showing you. And then you got to pull the trigger. Right? Confidence? Where is his confidence right now? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if he knows the answer to that. Only he's the one that potentially could give you a straight one. But there's a reason this kid was taken second overall. You know he's got the tools. He's just got to go out there and put it all together. I mean, he's got playmakers. He's got ability. You know, everybody Everybody wants to point the finger at the offensive line because I get it. That was the convenient thing to throw stones at during the summer. When everything was fine and dandy in Jetland, you had to pick something apart, and it was the offensive line, right? Because we hadn't seen Becton. We hadn't seen Dwayne Brown. This guy was certain. And he didn't know how this offensive line was going to shore up once the season got here. Well, now the offensive line is playing, and because the offense is struggling, it's like, oh, well, see, it was the offensive line. Guys, if you go back and you watch that game last week, all right? The offensive line was the least of the Jets' problems. Least of the problems. He held the ball, and I'm talking about the quarterback, the longest of any QB in the NFL, and he has so far in the first three weeks. He's got the slowest release from when he receives the ball from center of any quarterback in the NFL. It's about three and a half seconds. That is an eternity in football terms. You know? Just imagine in your head, imagine him getting the snap and then count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. Most quarterbacks, the ball's out already. And you can't expect the offensive line to sit there and block for eight seconds. It's not BYU. It's not college football. It's the NFL. There's only so long that you can hold a defense at bay. And that goes back to, again, what we said, trusting your reads, trusting your eyes, and just letting it rip. Quick release. Get the ball out early. And things aren't going to change unless that happens. Let's face it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. 
Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. A couple of injury notes as far as the uh, quarterback position is concerned. Bryce Young is going to be back in there this week for the Carolina Panthers. They host Minnesota. A couple of teams that need a win in the worst way. Somebody's going to get a win unless it ends in a tie. So he'll be back in there. Anthony Richardson, another rookie, is also going to be back under center, this time for the Colts as they take on the Rams at home. Remember, Gardner Minshew did a nice little job last week, took him into Baltimore, helped them upset the Baltimore Ravens. Deshaun Watson... Says he's going to play, but he's questionable with a shoulder issue. Hasn't practiced this week. Cleveland's got Baltimore in their building coming up on Sunday. Derek Carr, a little bit more iffy. Remember, he got slammed to the ground also with a shoulder injury. New Orleans is going to play host to Tampa Bay. If he can't go, it'll be Jameis Winston. And remember, New Orleans, that used to be a lock when Brady was a Buccaneer the last three years. The, the Saints owned Brady and the Bucks, except the one time they met in the playoffs when <laughs> Brady and, and company won that game the year they went on and won the Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo is still in concussion protocol for the Raiders as they go into L.A. to take on the Chargers. So that's a little bit of um, injury issues as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. We'll do our NFL picks a little bit later on in the hour after we talk to our pal Mr. Buttle on the Jets. Let's say hi to Mark. He is in Lake Grove. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing, Mr. Grasso? Mark, I'm doing great. What's on your mind tonight? I want to talk about the Jets for a minute. Let's and, like, I, I try to think about it without emotion. You know, I try to do it logical. And, and I just keep coming back to the coaches. Like, I keep mm-hmm. coming back to the game plan. I keep coming back to not making adjustments. Don't get me wrong. I know. I know Wilson uh, is bottom of the barrel, but I just—it's it, got to be. It's they got to do something different. They got to. They got to. They—they have to know him. It's been three years already, so they have to know his strengths. They have to know what he likes, what he's good at, what he's bad at. Like, like, it, am I crazy for thinking this? You're not crazy, but but, but again, here, here's what I'm. I'm going to remind people, and, and, and like yourself, Mark, and again. This, this is the reality, 
right? Nobody in the NFL is going to feel sorry for the Jets. Nobody in the NFL is going to say, hey, we're going to cancel your games and we're going to wait till Aaron Rodgers comes back and then we're going to pick up right where you left off. No, the show must go on. But it's tough to just pick up the pieces, Mark, and expect to get the same production you thought you were getting at the quarterback position when this guy goes down four plays into the season. Right. Well, I, Remember, I get, I get that. Zach Wilson. Yeah. Zach Wilson wasn't supposed to play this year. So if you want to blame the the Jets and say how is this kid playing, he wasn't supposed to play this year. But but the football gods had different plans four plays into the season. But then why have him as your backup? Why? Because again, you don't envision a guy like Aaron Rodgers going down, do you? He hadn't no. missed a game. He hadn't missed a game eight of the last nine years. He was pretty durable. Right, he's, that's our he, luck. That, that, that's what happens to us as Jet fans. Like that's unfo- our luck. You know what, Mark? Unfortunately, right, and it has those ninety-nine yeah, vibes all over. That's the way it goes. You know, it's, you got it, it, it. Reeks of nineteen ninety-nine. Just the, the the thing with Vinny and the, how it all played itself out and the expectations. You know, it, it is what it is. But right now, you got games to play, and Kansas City's not going to feel sorry for you. You think that they care that 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 Aaron Rodgers is down? No way. And look, I don't know what the plan is moving forward. I don't think they know what the plan is. I I can tell you what they hope the plan is. They hope the plan is is that this offense starts to click, the quarterback starts to play with more confidence, and then they're able to salvage something this season. But if things kind of stay stuck in neutral like they are right now, I'm thinking they're going to really have to reevaluate things once you get to the bye week, which is a couple of weeks away. Kansas City, Denver, Philadelphia, then you got the bye week. If the Jets are, dare I say, 1-5, and 2-4, and four, and the offense hasn't really sort of established any rhythm or momentum or anything, you can't just run it back there still with the same structure and go, oh, yeah, we're gonna, this is how we're going to play the rest of the season. You can't do it. can't. Because you'd be kidding yourselves. And that's one of the reasons why Trevor Simeon is here. I mean, they needed to get another body. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Trevor Simeon is somebody that's going to help win you a championship, but Trevor Simeon is a professional quarterback. He's a professional quarterback. He's a quick study. And as I said, he's won games. He's won games in this league. Broncos won a Super Bowl in 2015. Manning retired. They turned the team over to him the next year, and he won eight games. He's not going to go out there and make mistakes, you know, He's seen all these looks. He's seen all these defenses. He's not going to be confused. Is he as athletic as, let's say, a Zach Wilson? No, of course not. But you don't have to be the most athletic kid in the room to go out there and still function and win games. Real quick here with the baseball before we get back to the phone calls. So three more days left and, and maybe a fourth because I don't know what the hell was going on last night with the thought process at City Field where they were four outs away from finishing that game with the Mets and the Marlins, in a game that the Marlins needed, why didn't they just play it out? I mean, look at the radar. They didn't know that it wasn't going to stop raining. I've seen teams playing worse just so they could get a game done. They got to finish that game. I mean, the Mets wouldn't have cared. Just, just get it over with. You think either one of these teams and the players want to go back to City Field on Monday afternoon at 1 o'clock and play four outs? When the season might be over, not for the Marlins, let's say, but we know that it's going to be for the Mets. So what do you have for up for grabs here in the National League this weekend? Well, you got a couple of wild card spots. And right now, Arizona's in the driver's seat for that second wild card. 
They could clinch a spot tonight with a victory. They got the Astros at home or a loss by the Cubs. The Cubs have gone in a funk at the worst possible time. All right, they got swept by the Atlanta Braves, and I know the Braves are really, really good, but they let a couple of them where they blew leads. And this Cubs team right now is leaking gas heading to the finish line at the worst possible time. So the Cubs and the Marlins have 82 wins apiece. We know that the Marlins couldn't finish that game last night. They're in Pittsburgh, and they're scoreless. Chicago's going to be in Milwaukee to take on a Brewers team that's already won the division, and they're locked into the three seed in the National League. Cincinnati's got 81 wins. They're in St. Louis this weekend. So essentially what it's going to come down to, Arizona, Marlins, Cubs, and Reds. Two spots out of those four teams. I think Arizona's still going to get one, of course. And remember, Arizona... You talk about turnarounds in baseball and sports and everything. Arizona, which doesn't spend a lot of money, they lost 110 games a couple of years ago. 110 games. I mean, they were abysmal. And now they might find themselves in the playoffs this year. That's a credit to everybody in that organization. I used to have weekly chats with the manager, Tori Lovello, over on the baseball channel. And it got so bad late in the season, it, it almost became a point where we couldn't even talk about baseball. Because what were you going to talk about? The team was, was a laughing stock. So we had to like talk about these other things and things maybe happening like around the sport, not so much focusing on his team. So I feel good for people like that when good things happen to them. So Arizona gets one of these wins, and they'll be in the postseason here, and we'll see what happens with one of those other spots. In the American League, it's a little bit more complicated right now because, A, you still got to sort out the American League West. Texas is in first with 89, Houston's got 87, and then Seattle's got 86. The huge series this weekend is Rangers-Mariners in Seattle. Last night, the Mariners won a thriller coming from behind in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat Texas, and it was only Seattle's second win this season against the Texas Rangers. So they don't have the tiebreaker, but our old buddy Aroldis Chapman was the culprit because the Rangers gave him the baseball, trying to see if he could get three outs and help get him the victory, and he coughed that sucker up like that. I've never seen, without the aid of an intentional walk, because Chapman started the inning clean, right? Bases empty, nobody out. I have never seen a pitcher load the bases as fast as Aroldis Chapman did last night. Like, I I mean, it might have been like two or two and a half minutes of real time. Tom and I have seen it. Well, I mean, you've seen it, but like two seeing eye singles, walk, and before you know it, bases were loaded, and then he's out of the game. And they brought in somebody else to help clean up the mess, couldn't do it, J.P. Crawford, the hero. So the Mariners get themselves a big win. So Texas, they could clinch the division, though, with a win tonight, and an Astros loss because Houston has the tiebreaker over the Rangers and they're two games back. Texas, meantime, has that tiebreaker over Seattle. Like we told you, they've won eight of ten games that they've played head-to-head so far this season. Then you got the Blue Jays when you open it up to the wild card discussion. Toronto is playing Tampa Bay. We know that they just lost two out of three to the Yankees. So Toronto's the second wild card right now with 88. Houston's the third wild card with 87. And then you have Seattle, which is sitting there on the outside looking in with 86 wins. The Blue Jays could get a spot with a victory tonight and a loss by the Seattle Mariners out there at home against the Rangers. Okay? Hope everybody got that. There's going to be a test coming up at the end of class. So make sure you got it all down. And unfortunately... None of the things that I just said includes the Mets or the Yankees. And they're going to be playing out the weekend, and then it's on to next year. 
Mets are going to have a new president of baseball operations and David Stearns. Who knows which skipper will be returning? Both, neither, or one of the two, Aaron Boone or Buck Showalter? I personally would run it back with both, to be quite honest with you. But if you believe the Bob Clappish story in NJ.com the other day that there are going to be massive changes for the Yankees, I don't know how that bodes for somebody like Aaron Boone. And especially if Aaron Judge, if he, of course, having a big influence in the organization, if he goes into Hal Steinbrenner and says, you know what, I like Aaron Boone, I think he's the right manager for this team, does Hal say, well, all right, you know what, I want to make my star player happy, and I'm sure if a lot of other guys in that locker room feel the same way, we're going to run it back with Booney and give him another year. But he's going into the last year of his contract. So you're going to give him an extension? Because I don't think you're going to bring him back next year as a lame duck. That wouldn't be right. 800-919-3776. Let us say hi to Tommy in Connecticut. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Tom, how are you? Hey, what's up, Daniel? How are we doing this evening? Tommy, what is going on? Everything good? Oh, all good, all good. Just uh, what the hell is going on in uh, Flushing, the, this, this field management, man? It was, I mean, you had Skip Schumacher the manager of the Marlins sitting there looking to pick a fight with the grounds crew because look, oh, they yeah, want to he, play the game. And, and the grounds crew, what they did in. was, this is like almost three hours after they had stopped the game, it stopped raining a little bit, so the grounds crew takes the tarp off the field, they move it to the outfield, but because there was so much damn water on the tarp, you had like ponds in the outfield, and they're trying to tell Skip it's not going to dry in time, and he was unhappy. It was just, you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't reflect well on the Mets. Mother Nature or not, it still doesn't look good for them. Well, no, and then they, they had the other game that had to get postponed because they didn't tarp it over the weekend when they were on the road. And the reason why they don't do that, Tom, because of, like, what happened last night. Like, if it rains as much as it did last week, you have all that water on the tarp, and you don't want to have to then empty it to where you're going to wet the rest of the field, which happened to them last night. Yeah, good old, good old mother just, nature. Hey, you know what, Tom? It rains, it pours, and that's the kind of season it's been for this team this year. Uh, but let's get back to the, the point I wanted to make was yeah. uh, where do you think uh, this season for Garrett Cole stacks up? Because I look at some of his numbers, you know, like 220-something strikeouts. But the, the the one that, like, really sticks out to me, I, I think he's got, like, 10 or 12 no decisions where he's pitched seven innings with two earned runs or less. Like, it, it's almost like that that the Grom year where where he won the Cy Young with a was he like ten and eleven? I think he had a yeah. losing record, right? Yeah, he had a losing record, and I mean Cole didn't have a losing record. I I mean it was a good year. He was the best pitcher in the American League, hands down. I don't think though necessarily. It was his best year. I still think personally he was more dominant that year with the Astros when he lost as the runner-up to Justin Verlander. But you know what? It, that You don't have to discriminate, right? Cy Young is a Cy Young, and he's very, very deserving of it. I like the fact that he threw over 200 innings this year. Again, for the second straight season. You know, show me a workhorse. Show me a guy, you know, save for the COVID year, of course. You know what you're getting out of Garrett Cole? You're getting 30-plus starts, and you're going to get in the neighborhood of 180 to 200-plus innings. And for that kind of money, what more can you ask for? The guy's been an ace. The guy's been dependable. The guy's been consistent. And I'll tell you, if you're the Yankees, you almost hope, and I said this last night, you almost hope that he goes out there next year, 
has another really, really good season because then he'll be in a position to where he can opt out of his contract after 2024. And the Yankees are going to have to be in a position to where they're going to have to re-sign him. I don't care where his age is at, and I don't care how much money it's going to cost. You can't afford to lose that guy because you saw what it did to them this year when they didn't have enough quality starting pitching. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Well, Taylor Swift is supposedly going to be at the Meadowlands on Sunday night when the Jets take on the Kansas City Chiefs as we welcome you back to the Dan Grasso Show. But she's only going to be the second most famous celebrity in the building that night. That's right, because my broadcast partner is going to be there. He and I have Jets pregame beginning at 6 p.m. It is, of course, the great number 51. He is Greg Buttle. You're a big Taylor Swift guy, right? Oh, I'm a Swifty from way back. Are you kidding? You're an, <laughs> yeah. you're an OG. You were you were in on the ground floor, right? I'm going to tell you something. She she she's probably uh, the 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 greatest female songwriter that has has been that has existed. Uh, other than that, I mean, I think every all the songs she sings, it seems to be the same same tomb to me but you know I'm, I'm i'm a little older than her but she's way talented she's so talented it's unbelievable yeah i i would maybe hold off on the songwriting comment there at least while we're in the club because you never know who could be listening and then we don't want to have them throw tomatoes at us while we're doing the uh the broadcast let, let's avoid that um speaking of um things that we're going to see on Sunday, what type of version of the Jets offense are we going to witness, you think, on Sunday night? Man, i got to tell you something. That, that's probably the, the million-dollar question. And I, 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 I would think, and this is, this is where fans would be uh, uh, more attuned to it, that if the offense is a little different than it has been, that's what they want to see. They don't want to see the same – uh, Zach Wilson dropping straight back and trying to, you know, run the offense through a drop back. I think all the things that we've been hearing from fans is they want to, they want to see the kid get out of the pocket, move around, uh, uh, you know, maybe throw a couple RPOs in there. That's what they're looking for because the other way around hasn't gotten it done for the fans. It hasn't gotten it done for the fans. It hasn't gotten it done for the offense either. And, you know, you and I were talking, watching the game last week and certainly the post-game show afterwards. How do, how do you kind of make the quarterback free himself up in his own mind to where maybe not be as gun-shy when it comes to pulling the trigger, right? You know you have the arm talent. You know how you have the ability. What is it going to take for him to go out there and say, all right, that's my read, boom, and deliver the football? Well, I, I, w- I would just assume that the first 10 plays or 15 plays will be scripted. And I just assume that on the defensive side of the football, Kansas City is going to have eight men in the box. Right. And they're going to do what everyone else has done. And if they don't, then shame on them. Load the box, make them throw it, and stop the run. That's what they're going to do. And that's the first 15 plays for Nathaniel Hackett. What are we going to do when that comes out? And if they don't come out in that, the first 15 plays will still be good. 
because you're going to get the kid to move around, uh, boot him, move around, throw short passes, that kind of stuff, and get him off on a good start. I think that's what they're looking for. And he got to start fast, right? Because they couldn't get anything going, certainly in that first half last week, even with the scripted plays. And, you know, this Kansas City defense, you know, fans, you know, you think about the Chiefs and, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey in the offense. The offense gets most of the attention, but that defense is pretty darn good, too. So it's not like the Jets are going up against the unit to where maybe you would think they would have the advantage. And case in point, they got to get this running game going. And if you become a one-dimensional offense like they've been the last couple of weeks to where there's really no semblance of a passing game, well, that makes that job just a little bit harder, does it not? No, they, they start the game like that, Dan. It's uh, like uh, last week. I mean, the second play of the game, they're going to run a play, and uh, there's Mr. Simons on the line as a blitzing guy, and he catches the guy four yards in the backfield, Bruce Hall. So now you're you're... you're third and 14. I mean, that's no way to start. I mean, if you're going to go out and run the ball, run it. Put an extra tight end or whatever in there. Double team the corner. Make their corners be the tacklers on the football team. You know, so I think you have to be prepared for that no matter what happens. And in the first 15 plays, you've got to give the quarterback the best opportunity to do that. Every team in the NFL will do that until you can beat them. First and second down is huge. You know, I think that that's something we're certainly going to stress on Sunday because they've had their struggles on third down the last couple of games. And if you're in third and long all the time, that just makes the job that much harder, of course, as we know. We're talking with Greg Buttle here on 98.7 ESPN. He and I have Jet pregame beginning at 6 p.m. on Sunday when the Jets take on the Kansas City Chiefs. On the other side of the ball, yeah. I was just going to say, let me just say this, too. Just so you know, when you have eight men in the box, most of the time you'll be playing man-to-man. You're not going to be dropping into the zone. You're going to be playing man-to-man. Can you screen against man-to-man? No, you can't. So you can't even screen. If you want to screen, you can't even screen because they're playing man-to-man. They're jumping the backs right away. You're going to throw the ball into the ground. Guys are going to get help. So you've got to be able to beat it now and beat it. Maybe you've got to have to roll them out and see what happens and uh, have them throw the ball in the run. Now, speaking of throwing the ball on the run, you got the guy on the other side of the field that's probably as good at doing that as anybody in the entire league in Patrick Mahomes. And while we sit here and look at this defense, which probably would like to apply more pressure on the quarterback, we expect them to apply more pressure. They only got one quarterback sack the last two games. But this is the type of quarterback that if you are a little bit more aggressive getting upfield with the pass rush, he could kill you with his legs. He could kill you with his arm and his legs at the same time, and that's the tricky part. How do you go about defending that quarterback who can, even if you think you got him, you might not? Well, I'll tell you what you do. you gotta, you got to have Quinn, Quinn Williams covering up the middle. You've got to have middle pressure to, to spill him. Once he gets spilled, that's when, that's when you know what the, the, the field's cut in half. And you can't let them escape. That's all there is to it. You've got to have uh, some, some, somebody spying them. If you're not going to have a, uh, a linebacker on them, you better have a defensive end or one of the tackles that are sitting around spying, hoping that they can get them. But that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do, especially when you get tired in the second half. When you look at Kansas City and their personnel, clearly the top playmaker is Kelsey. You know, the wide receiving core doesn't necessarily have that star power that maybe they used to have, even though it was good enough to help them win a Super Bowl last year. Um, if you're Jeff Ulbrich, Robert Sala, do you look at it and say, I'm not going to let Kelsey beat me, take him out of the game, and then try to maybe take your chances with everybody else on that offense? 
I would tell you right now, I, I'd, I'd have uh, somebody up on his face, and I don't care whether it's a linebacker or a safety or a defensive end, but he's not going to be releasing. The, if he's catching the ball, it's only going to be at five yards. I'm not going to allow him to, to release down the field and play the games that they play where they, he, he's, like a, he's like a free agent out there. And Mahomes knows exactly where he's going based on the defense that it's done, and so does Kelsey. It's a hard thing to stop because it's almost like street ball. They practice street ball, and they look around, and uh, they're, they're both great athletes, and they both have great awareness of the game and the field and what the defense is trying to do to them. So it's a very, very difficult thing to stop. Without pressure, and if you're going to give the quarterback three and a half seconds to throw the ball, the Jets will have a tough time. All right. We've brought this up in the past, and i got to bring it up again just because, you know, you have these reports that are surfacing throughout the week about how the defense, you know, is, is kind of annoyed a little bit at what's been happening with the offense and the head coach sticking by the quarterback and all these different types of reports. Now, we don't know the validity to them or not, but what I ask you is, as somebody who played on that side of the ball, and I've brought this up to you privately, off the whatever, what does it mean? When you are a defensive player and you have an offense which is struggling and it seems like it's your side of the ball that's having to put more on their shoulders to help a team win a football game, what type of a toll does that uh, take? Well, well, I'll tell you, Dan, it's, it's not uncommon. And it's not uncommon among any team. I don't care if you're the 85 Bears or the Steelers of 2008 or the Tampa Bay Bucks of 2002, your, your defense is, is the, the one that has all the pressure on it to stop guys in a, in a league that makes it easy to beat the defense. And so if they're out there and they're busting their chops all time and the quarterback's out there and the offense is letting them down, they're going to hear it. Let me tell you something. Ask Joe Namath how many times Jerry Philbin was cursing him out. I can say it was almost every series. So when you when you look at what goes on, it's 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 all in the moment. It's it's during the week you might say something to somebody in the locker room, but that's that that gets where it stays. And then you get on the field, you got to do your work, and you go out there and you play the next game. And you don't play the next game hating your own offense. You go out there hoping they're doing better. And you do your job. That's what it's all about. Well, we're going to have a lot of defense on the pregame show. Yourself, your old buddy Klecko is going to be joining us on the pregame as he's going to be on. My boy. Yeah, that's your boy. That's your guy. So classing up to join on Sunday. But I thank you for a couple of minutes, and uh, I'll see you Sunday at 6. You got it, Dan. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Football Friday edition. Dan Grasso Show. 98.7 98.7 ESPN. Remember, only go until 8 o'clock tonight, so you know what it's time for. That's right. The week four NFL picks. Week three, a bounce back week for yours truly. I told you it would be. We had the offer in week number two, but we bounced back strong a week ago. 2-0-1. We pushed on the Packers, who decided to wake up until it was the fourth quarter, and so they won by one. They were favored by one, so we tied it. So 2-0-1 last week. 4-4-1 on the season as we try to move back over 500 with the pick segment. Game number one. Let's go down to the Lone Star State, shall we? Steelers. Texans. How about Pittsburgh on that Sunday night win in Vegas? That was a gutty, gritty, 
hard-fought win, kind of retro Steelers-Raiders type game, right? And then Houston, on the other hand, last week, they surprised a lot of people, knocked some people out of survivor pools, going down to Jacksonville and almost putting up a 40-burger. So this one is interesting. C.J. Stroud, I'll tell you what, I I mean, I don't even think it's close. C.J. Stroud has been the best of the rookie quarterbacks so far here in the National Football League. He's been outstanding. He hasn't even thrown an interception yet this year. But Houston's offensive line is really banged up going into this one. Tunsil's not going to be playing the left tackle. And that spells trouble, especially when you're talking about going up against the defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Offensively, I think Pittsburgh's going to be able to run the football. And how about this little nugget? Mike Tomlin, head coach of your Steelers. How about his record against rookie quarterbacks throughout his coaching career? 23-4. and four. They're going to be honoring J.J. Watt at halftime. He's going to go into the Texans' ring of honor, but it's going to be his brother T.J. that's going to have the last laugh as he and his Steelers are going to go down there to Houston and win the game. I'll lay the two-and-a-half points. Give me the Steelers. Game number one. Game number two. Let's go back up to the Northeast, shall we? little NFC East showdown in Philadelphia. Commanders. Eagles. Remember what happened last year when Washington went into Philadelphia on that Monday night and they ran all over the birds and shocked them, punched them in the mouth? Remember Washington put forward the blueprint on how to beat that Eagle team last year? I think the Eagles remember. Oh, they're going to remember all right. Call this one a revenge game. Now, if you watch Washington last week, they allowed nine sacks. Nine times Sam Howell was sacked against those Buffalo Bills. He's been sacked more than any quarterback in the National Football League so far through three weeks of the season. Going up against that Eagles front where you have... The Jordan Davises, the Jalen Carters, Fletcher Cox and company, all those guys, that's just going to make life even miserable for him. Philly's got a better defense than the Buffalo Bills do, and if Buffalo got to him nine times, what do you think the Eagles are going to do at home? We know the Eagles' running game has been outstanding, DeAndre Swift and company, but the Washington is going to sell out to try to stop the run, which means Jalen Hurts is going to have opportunities to get things going in that passing game, and I fully expect that he'll be able to do so. You look at Washington with that 2-0 start, right? Who did they beat? They beat Arizona, and they beat the Denver Broncos, and they had to hang on for dear life to win both of those games. Neither one of those teams are any good. Last week, they had a step up in class. They got destroyed by Buffalo, and it's going to happen again on Sunday in Philadelphia. I will gladly lay the nine points. Give me Philadelphia to win by double digits over Washington, game number two. Game number three. I love Texas so much, I'm going back down to the Lone Star State for the third game. Yeah, I was thinking about some other ways you could go. I was thinking about maybe Denver bouncing back against the Bears because the Bears are hapless. But can I really pick a team that gave up 70 points last week and really have any confidence at all in what they're going to do? No, I can't do that. You know, I was even thinking about the Jaguars, but the Jaguars got destroyed last week against the Texans, and the game is being played in London. Who the hell knows what you can expect whenever two teams are playing out there, so I stayed away from that one. I'm going down to Big D. Pats. Cowboys. Remember when this was always like a marquee game when Brady and Belichick were together playing the Cowboys? Remember those? Oh! It's like the game of the year for CBS or whoever had the game. 
Not the same cast of characters for the Patriots. Dallas, right? They got surprised last week in Arizona against the crummy Cardinals. This is a bounce-back opportunity for them. It, last week was a wake-up call, and I think that they'll respond on Sunday. We know about the Patriots, right? We just saw them last week. They are who we thought they were. They're not an explosive football team in any way, shape, or form. I kind of expect a low-scoring game because Belichick will find a way to grind the game to a halt. You're going to have a low-scoring game. We know the Pats' defense is pretty good. You know, you have Zeke Elliott's return to Dallas. I'm sure he's going to get a video tribute. You know, Jerry's going to be out there. Maybe he's going to give him, like, the key to the castle or something. I don't know. But what I do know is that the last seven times that the New England Patriots were an underdog, they're 0-7. It's going to be 0-8 when it's all said and done. That is against the spread, I should say. Points are maybe a little bit more than you would like to lay here. But I'll lay the 6.5 for the Dallas Cowboys in this one. I think they'll win it by at least a touchdown because that offense is going to find a way to put some points up against the Patriots. And on the flip side, I think you'll see that Cowboy defense flex their muscles against Mac Jones and company and keep the Patriots way low on that scoreboard. So, the three games. Pittsburgh, minus two and a half in Houston. Philly, minus nine against Washington. And Dallas, minus six and a half against the New England Patriots. Three favorites, three outright winners. The Grassa, week number four selections in the National Football League. So hopefully things turn out the way we want them to. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>